What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berti here. In this episode, we are going to talk about why businesses succeed. So maybe you've seen these successful public companies. Maybe you've heard of the successful small business owner. Why exactly is it that these businesses end up succeeding? And in this process of learning why businesses succeed, you're also going to learn why businesses fail because businesses that don't make it usually don't apply everything that the successful businesses are doing. So our guest who joins us is a best-selling author of Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success and the fictional tale, The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World. His new book, World's Greatest Business Plan, was written for those who cannot afford to fail. He is an active entrepreneur and CEO, having started more than 20 companies in the last 25 years. And in between all of this action, he hosts the 10-Minute Entrepreneur, which is a top 10 business podcast over on iTunes. Our guest who joins us is none other than Sean Castrina. Sean, welcome to the show. Great to be on the show. Sean. It is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and there's so many different elements as to why businesses succeed, why they don't make it, but I'd love to get into some background for you first. So I'm wondering if you could share with us, why did you decide to start your businesses? Because 20 is quite the big feat, so I'm wondering if you could jump into that for us. Yeah, I, you know, I did the typical way that you think you're going to succeed. I, I went to college, and Graduated from college, got married, was in grad school and had my dream job and was making ex, you know, ex exceptional money, had a new house. And, and then overnight, there was a leadership change and I was kind of let go the next day. They kind of cleaned house. All the new guard kept, wanted their people. And, and so I knew right then that you, know, you could have a great job and you did, it doesn't mean you have job security. So after I you know, was hearing myself being let go, I literally like time slowed down in my head. And I was just like, I'm never going to depend on anybody for a job again. Like I may work part, you know, I may work for somebody for a year till I get something going. Because prior to that, I'd never thought about starting a business. That's the funny thing. Like I never, when I was in college, I didn't, business never crossed my mind. I was a psychology, you know, I took psychology in college. I was in graduate school for counseling. So I never, you know, I never imagined owning a business, but then when I was losing my job, hearing it happen, I was like, well, this is never going to happen again. And so um, I worked for a year selling insurance. And when I was selling insurance, I came up with my first business idea. And I think that's kind of where I had the epiphany of, of business in that. I think everybody thinks they need to have this like really big idea or they think they need to quit their day job. I think they're two of the biggest myths. And then the third one is I think people think they need a lot of money. And then the fourth one, because I didn't have this, is they think they need to have some type of business experience or, or business knowledge. I didn't have any of the four. So I didn't have capital. I didn't have a big idea. I wasn't going to quit my insurance job at the time. And I had no business knowledge. And um, I, when I was selling insurance, we had meetings every Monday. And, you know, insurance is when I was introduced to the first millionaires in person. I mean, people who sell insurance typically do very, very well. Very good ones do. And I'd look at all these really nice cars in the parking lot. And this is before there was a car wash every two blocks. And I was like, wow, it'd be great if we could get our cars cleaned while we were in the parking lot so that when we went out on our sales call, they would look great. And so I started an auto detailing company and I didn't clean a car. I just want to preface that. This is where I had the aha moment. 
So I was like, if I could, you know, create this really very reputable looking company from the beginning, like it would start day one looking reputable. And if I could create the sales loop where somebody called our phone number, we gave them straight pricing over the phone. We'd send someone out to detail their car. And then when that gentleman came back, we'd do a 50-50 split. And I did that and I made $35,000 to do nothing but set the business up. And that's when I kind of, you know, I mean, $35,000 is like having a million dollars in an annuity today. Um, you know, you'd make, you know, that, that would be what it would peel off to you in a year. So I, I knew then that I was kind of on to something that, again, I, I kind of killed the four myths because I didn't quit my insurance job. I made 35000 extra money which is kind of nice. Um, and then I, I realized that I didn't have to have a big idea, auto detailing. There's nothing sexy about that idea, but, but it made me $35,000 and I worked like two hours a week. Once I had it set up, I didn't have any business experience. So it, it kind of defied all the, all the normal myths that people have. And then once I kind of knew that, how you could do it, then I, I've rinsed and repeated for 25 years and I own, I own, well, getting ready. I have nine service companies that I presently am involved in. And um, I love service companies because I do just like I did then. I just do them now at a seven figure scale. But this, the model's still the same. You know, service companies are, are just, they're just businesses that you can start with very little capital. And it's really interesting. Sean comes out with such a great concept right away. He like he's working on the business, not necessarily in the business. He's that person making the decision, setting it up, and then he partners up with someone to make the business happen. So it doesn't always have to be just you. It doesn't always have to be on a ton of capital. It could just be you wanting to just blog, YouTube, podcast. That could be a way that you start a business. And I feel like so many people think you need to have a ton of money. You need to have a ton of skill, but all that stuff is the things you develop over time. I'm wondering, Sean, you mentioned those four different things. People need a lot of like capital and the skills. How did you jump into entrepreneurship, uh, not having those things at the get go and just being able to confidently embrace it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I was an athlete in college, so confidence was never something I lacked. So, you know, I, I'm innately confident that I can figure something out. I, when I'm in a room of 100, 100 people, I don't care. If you drop me in a room at Harvard of 100 people, I'd still think I'm in the top 10 of the brightest. It's not true. <laughs> it's a complete delusion, but I would believe it. You know what I mean? In my mind, I'd believe it. So I'm like... I know that, you know, looking at businesses is that, you, you know, at the end of the day, you need customers. So that, that was a pretty simple concept. You need customers. So I'm always, I always start a business with what do my customers want? Like my big, this is my big aha for the, your audience. This, this is probably the best marketing advice you guys will ever get. This is a game changer. And I, I, you know, it's funny. I was just on the Bradley podcast and he and I were talking about this, you know, his podcast dropping bombs. And I, and I said, Brad, I'm gonna hit you with something really that's a game changer. If you want to start a business, just think about this. What one promise, if you could make it and deliver on it, would your cut, your customers would chase you down for your business. Now think about that. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but what one promise no matter what the business is, you, if you can make this one promise, and typically your competition is refusing to deliver on it or can't deliver on it, but if you could deliver on it, 
your target customer would chase you down for your business. So let me go to the detailing business and I can show you how I did this and it works in every single company. Detailing business. What if we came to your parking lot so you didn't have to leave? What if we had a reputable business? We had everything right there. We had, you know, we looked absolutely professional. We did a great job. You paid us at the end of the job. So there was no, you know, and if you were happy, you paid us. If you weren't, you didn't have to pay us. Pretty simple. Well, that was kind of our thing. We, our tagline was America's Choice in Mobile Detailing. Our phone number, because this is when toll-free numbers were important, it was 1-888-933-3824. I still remember it, and I haven't dialed it in 20 years. That's called, it's toll-free, 888-WE-DETAIL. The name of the company was Waxmaster. It had a great logo, so we looked super professional. And I knew then, well, if I wanted somebody to detail my Jaguar, I, they better look for real. I don't want somebody coming up in a sketchy van, pulling out some sponges. You know, so our guy had a uniform on. We had a beautiful lettered van. Everything, we, we were, um, whatchamacallit, we were licensed, bonded, and, you know, we did all the, the bonding and all that. So we had all the reputable, we had insurance, you know, all that was on the van. So my point is, is that, that works with almost any company if you think about it. I mean, your target customer has something they really, really want. In every business, Amazon, perfect example. What if we can give you the biggest selection of everything in the cotton picking world and you could take a nap and we could have it delivered to you by the time you woke up? There you go, there's Amazon. I mean, seriously, I honestly believe I ordered something on Sunday. I woke up later and I kid you not, I think the thing was at the front door. It, I'm being facetious, but, but they literally have made that, that audacious of a promise that, we're going to give you the biggest selection in the world and we're going to deliver it in like 24 hours. And, and that's why you buy from them. You look at Southwest Airlines, we're going to give you like the cheapest flight in the world and we're never late. And that's kind of their value proposition. And if you look at the great companies, they don't try to do 10 things. They have one thing that really stands out. Like you can almost any great company, you can define them in one great sentence what they do better than everybody. And I think that, you know, when people start their businesses, they're all over the place. And I'm like, no, find just the one thing that your competition's not doing that your target customer wants and deliver on that one thing. And if you do that, you will build a successful company, period. Find that one thing that you are the number one at. I feel like too many people, they branch out and it's good to have multiple streams of income, but you do have to think with each stream, how am I being the best? How am I not being some like just another YouTuber, just another blogger, just another podcaster, just another Airbnb host or whatever your business is? How do I go from being just another to being that differentiating factor? And there is a lot of like, you know, how to be successful and getting customers is a big piece of that. But what would you say are some of the big things that hold businesses back? Like, why do you think there are a lot of businesses that fail? Because the majority of them do fail. Because they have something nobody wants. That gets back to the one promise thing. The problem is the, the person founding the company thinks they know what that one promise is, but they don't research it. So they start a business that they think people want and it's not tested. So they, they, you know, it's the old like field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. Well, that's not the way it is in business. So the, the, one of the biggest problems why businesses fail is that startup founders 
fall so in love with their idea that they don't test it in a small scale. Like, my gosh, if I was going to, you know, open up a restaurant, I, before I opened up a restaurant, man, I'd be serving it at the county fair. I'd try it maybe on, on, a, on one of them lunch trucks. You know, I'm going to try it at a smaller scale to make sure this soup is as good as I think it is or this sandwich is as good that I can sell this sandwich for that. I'm not going to go sign a five-year lease in a shopping center and open up my first restaurant. I'm going to get a temporary lease. I'm going to try it for three months and see if, it, if it'll work. And again, I, I think that, you know, everybody talks about entrepreneurs, you know, they're risk takers. They're really not. We get, we stack the deck in our favor as best we, as we possibly can. We don't just, you don't, we don't just put everything on, you know, black 19 on the roulette wheel. No, we try to hedge everything in our, in our favor. And I think that, you know, starting founders, what they do is they, they, they think everybody wants this product and or service. They don't test it. Then they go all in. They launch it at a bigger scale than they, can, than they really can afford to. So they, they go all in on this. and They have no leftover capital, so they can't even afford to pivot. And I'm saying, man, you got to start – you know, at, at a very basic level, test your original idea, confirm that it's what the marketplace wants. And what you may find out is the promise that you thought was so good, once you start getting some feedback, you find out it's not, you know, okay, yeah, that's important, but that's not really that important. You know, so you, you got to, you know, you have to have a little bit of margin there to pivot. And I think, you know, founders go so all in. And, and they just, you know, they don't make that quick pivot when, when, they, when they have to because they're, they're very stubborn. And just having that ability to make all these different pivots, you make a great point, Sean. And entrepreneurs, it's not like we just blindly take risks. Uh, it's really stacking that deck in your favor, really taking the calculator risk, really increasing your chances of success. And there are different things you could do to make more money. There are different things you could do to increase, we talk about conversion rates very often. Entrepreneurs really try to squeeze every part of that from getting more opt-ins to their landing page to making their email sequence more effective to changing up their sales page. If you tweak all these different things, whether it's for a sales page or something else, you do get that successful business somewhere down the road. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta do one thing right. You have to make one customer happy. Because once you make that one customer happy, then you kind of create your tribe of people. But at the end of the day, you got to, you know, if you're not making, if you're not making anybody happy, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're providing no value to any target audience, you're never going to make money. So you got to do one thing right. And if you do that one thing right, then you go back to that target customer and you find out more things that they want. I started one company that was a small little company 20 some years ago. It was a handyman company, just a, a need. I had another, just like the auto detailing. I, I had a home office I wanted to make from, I wanted to turn my dining room into a home office because we just had a, our second child. And it was like trying to find a one-eyed leprechaun to find a handyman that would show up. And I'm in a very wealthy city. And I'm like, this is crazy that you can't find anybody to do quality work. So I started a handyman company. I can't assemble a three-piece birdhouse 21 years later. But that company, six weeks into it, we were getting over 50 phone calls a week. 
Within three years, I scaled it to a million dollars. Now we, you know, we're we're gonna, you know, we do millions and millions and millions of dollars. We have eight different companies that provide every home improvement need you can imagine. I own a digital marketing company because we did so much digital marketing to, you know, to feed that company to get leads for it that I ended up creating my own digital marketing company, which is probably the biggest digital marketing company in Virginia. So it was a service. I, the handyman company was a need that morphed into all this. Then I needed to, we needed to do digital marketing. I didn't understand it. So I met a person who was great at it, worked with him for a while. Then he and I partnered in a digital marketing company. I bankrolled it. He brought the expertise. I didn't care even if I made money because he was man, you know, he was helping my existing companies. I'm like, wow, if I make money, it's a bonus. Well, you know, we're up 50% this year in the middle of a virus and, you know, we're doing great. Businesses, again, we're always looking for this big idea. All my business were, were just a need that I saw that I personally experienced. And then once I got that target customer and I kind of knew how to make them happy, I just kept getting their feedback and finding out all the things they wanted. They tell me, I'd be like, well, what do you think? You know, and they go, well, we love that you do this. I had a four question survey card that I did from the very day I opened my business and I would get their feedback and it was just enough to kind of go, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this. They don't like this. They like this. Well, customers would come back and go, wow, I wish you guys remodeled bathrooms. Great. I don't know how to do it, but I'm sure I can find somebody. I find somebody who was great at that and we start a bathroom division. We do a million dollars in bathrooms now. Somebody say, you guys need to do roofing. Well, I found out I brought in a partner who oversaw roofing and siding. That's another division. We needed kitchens. I found a guy who was great at kitchens, partnered with him. So I have like eight franchises under one name. I have partners in every one of these divisions because when somebody would ask me for something, I would partner, find somebody who was great at that. I'm good at making the phone ring. I'm good at creating the business structure. And then they oversaw that one division. And so... Again, if you look at everything I'm telling you, I, I didn't do anything that earth shattering. I constantly look for needs. The one thing I did that was smart is I'm good at partnering. My superpower is partnering. And I really love the leverage. Entrepreneurship, the more you leverage, the better uh, in terms of relationships. Leveraging money, you could also get a lot there. Just understand the risks if you do decide to leverage in the financial sense. You are diving into a really great point. You don't have to do the next Amazon to start a business. You don't have to do the next Facebook to start a business. It could be something very niche that generates enough customers who love the stuff you're doing. But I think what we should get to is the core here. How yeah. do we figure out who that one customer is who we're supposed to make happy? Well, I think you have to, okay, well, number one is you, you let's just start with your genesis of an idea. You find, you, businesses are started for one of these reasons. If you want to figure out a great business idea, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. It either solves a need. So just look at a need that you, you personally have experienced. Remember, I, I had a need to keep my car clean. I had a need to have a handyman service. I had a need for digital marketing. So all my key businesses came off of a need. So either fill a need. Either solve a problem, I'm sorry, fill a need, satisfy a desire. That's like a BMW. That's the difference between a car and then you have a desire, a BMW. You have a vacation and then you have a sandals vacation. So, you know, you have ego. That's satisfy a desire. So you, 
It's very simple. Solve a problem, meet a need, satisfy a desire, or entertain people. That's your four biggest. If you one of those four will is ninety percent of every business. So once you kind of have that, then you got to find. Once you solve that, whatever that problem is, the target audience is going to be. It's going to present themselves. Example: a BMW customer is different than a Kia customer. An IKEA customer is different than a BMW. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're different. They're different target audiences. One is willing to pay this much. It's probably driving transportation more as a, um, it, it, it's just an, it's just provides a basic need. No, my car is nothing but transportation. A BMW driver drives a car probably because they want to have status. They believe they they deserve it. They can afford it. And by golly, I'm going to buy it. They're different, but each of them want a car, but they're absolutely different buyers. They're absolutely different target customers. So how you would market to a Kia driver and how you'd market to a BMW driver are, are, you know, apples and oranges. That's why, you know, BMW sponsors golf tournaments because that's a higher end customer and Kia does different marketing. So, you know, so once you kind of solve the problem, you just got to ask, well, who's most likely to buy it? Who most likely needs it? Then you kind of, kind of work from there, and that's kind of how you, I mean. I'm basically taking 25 years and dropping it into two minutes, but but that you just got to ask who's most likely to need what I'm selling. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You got to be like an FBI profiler. Every business has a customer that's more than likely that's more likely to buy than another. And you got to, you know, you got to, that's, that's who you got to find. You got to make them happy. And I really love how Sean breaks that down. It's not just trying to come up with a big idea. It's thinking about stuff in your life. A lot of the stuff Sean has brought up for his different business ideas, they were problems he first encountered and his solution was to create a business. And that is the exact approach you could use for your content creation, for your business ideas or anything in between. And if you guys did enjoy this episode, I do recommend you check out Sean and his work. So we will be linking to books. Uh, is there anything else you want us to link in the show notes as well? Yeah. All they got to do is if you go to my personal site, seancastrina.com, I always put my book. I always have a book on there for free. So one of my three books, I always have an e-version for free. And I think the world's greatest business plan is up right now, 151 page book. It's really good. I mean, it truly is. I think you know, I have like 12 business plan books sitting behind me because I, I, I ordered the entire first page of Amazon when I went to write the book and I was shocked how one book was worse than the next. I was helping my son start a business. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take him through a traditional business plan. So I'm like, I buy the book and it was horrible. So then I'd order the second one. It was worse. So then I just ordered the whole first page. Then I said, no, I'm going to write you a business plan book. And I literally wrote, I'm like, Colin. These are the 25 questions that matter. There's only 25 things that matter in starting a business. And so I wrote it and then I said, I might as well turn it into a book. So I think the world's greatest business plan, I'm 99% sure that's the book we're giving away now. Um, so you can go to seancastrina.com. You get a free copy of that. And then the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. If you want to learn how to start and grow a business, it's the best podcast for it because it's all, that's all we talk about. Period. There, there's no, it is the most sole focused podcast when it comes to business. Because if my guests have to be able to answer 
either give me the best piece of startup advice you have or give me the best piece of business advice to help a business owner that's stuck and needs to pivot. So the whole podcast is built around solving those two problems for people. And, and I think we do a real good job of it. So listen to the podcast and, and go get yourself a free book. It's a lot of great resources that Sean is so gracious to offer us. We will be throwing all those links to the show notes. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.